You're listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. It is Wednesday, March 27th. Another Wednesday of Lent. This is true. We're in week three of Lent. Yeah. Yeah. Week... It feels like it's been a lot longer than that. It has. But, well, it technically has because <laughs> Ash Wednesday, Wednesday doesn't count as the first week of Lent That's when true. you're counting them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so it's kind of like, I call that week zero in Lent. <laughs> uh, I know that there's a much more ecclesiastical <laughs> term for that. Yeah, probably. But that's all right. When you're when you're putting stuff in the computer here, we call it week zero. <laughs> week zero. I like week that. Week zero of Lent to make sure that the right programming happens. Uh, we magic are, of radio. <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're uh, what midway through Lent, yeah. um, Holy Week right around the corner. I know it's so um, soon. Treore service, which is a, a tradition here mm-hmm. at KFU on Good Friday. Uh, looking forward to that. It's a, a regular tradition here, and thankful uh, that we get to do that. Um, so. We have on deck today two great stories. Um, one is uh, we're taking a look at uh, an article and a topic from the Lutheran Witness, the March issue, um, which it's a good thing because March is wrapping up here. Yeah, April will be here over. very soon. Uh, <laughs> we're going to take a look at the joy of serving. And so we get to head up to your home state Yay. of Michigan for that. I know. And in the second half yesterday, we had the opportunity to visit with um, the uh, the president of Lutheran Women's Missionary League, LWML, Patty Ross. Mm-hmm. And so we had a chance to sit down with her while she was visiting here at the International Center and record that. So we'll share that with you in the second half. And I was trying to remember, this is really showing how uneducated I feel at times. What's the <laughs> correct term when, when a president is finishing her term? I always say outgoing. Outgoing. Yes, okay. that's it. Okay. I don't yeah. know if I'm right, that was but that's what I say. <laughs> deeply educational. Thanks to our friends at Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting the coffee hour. Find out more about them at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Now we're headed to Concordia University, Ann Arbor, where Professor Joshua Kittleman serves as Assistant Professor of Family Life there at CUAA. Thanks so much for joining us this morning, Josh. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to have you with us as our guest and uh, excited to share your article from the March issue of the Lutheran Witness, The Joy of Serving as uh, as, as one who served in youth and family ministry. Uh, you, it sounds like you've had plenty of experience uh, working with youth and families and seeing them, them serve in joy together. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about your work at Concordia University Ann Arbor, and we'll get into the article here in just a little bit. Oh, great. Uh, well, I'm the uh, an assistant professor in the Family Life Department and the Family Life Department chair, and uh, we're the, the Family Life Program at Concordia Ann Arbor, and uh, so we help equip students. Uh, some of them will end up going into church work as youth and, and children's ministers. Others will go uh, into the hospital um, as child life specialists. Uh, helping uh, give support and care to uh, to children in hospital settings, and we also have a, a minor in community service where uh, our students do uh, work in a variety of community settings. So we uh, we love our program and, and love equipping our students to uh, to make a difference in the world. That's a great background to give students uh, that that full range of of ways to to serve uh, as they get into into a new vocation. What typically uh, comes to mind when we talk about uh, youth ministry in, in a serving setting? Well, I, I think so often still there's a stereotype of, of youth ministry where, you know, it's a bunch of people in a room with a lot of Mountain Dew and just playing <laughs> a lot of games, right? Uh, and it, there's always going to be an element of fellowship there uh, for sure, but it goes much more than that. As I uh, have have 
done ministry myself and, and worked alongside a lot of colleagues. Um, there's so much purpose behind our ministry to, to students. Um, we, we obviously want them to grow in love for God's Word. Um, we, we want to help, under, help them understand and articulate their faith so they can share Jesus with uh, the people around them. And then this, this component of service, which in my article I, I shared how, how much of an impact I, I believe it has in students when they are equipped, empowered uh, to go out into their communities and, and really make a difference there and, and uh, help people. So um, it, it's a much more nuanced than, you know, lock-ins and, uh, you know, know, a fun game nights. As one has has coined the phrase, pizza is great, but pizza alone isn't youth ministry. There are good (laughs) things that can happen when you gather around pizza and and other uh, youth-type foods. There's fellowship that happens around food, but uh, your article focuses on serving and the joy in serving. What what do service opportunities um, bring to that ministry to youth and young people? Well, I think there's so many. Uh, oftentimes, um, their service provides an opportunity to just take a, a break from their normal, uh, quote, normal lives, uh, right? Uh, the the routines that they go in, so they get a break and they're doing something that they normally uh, might not do. Now, we obviously want to send the message that you can serve. You don't need to be on a service project to serve. You can serve anywhere and and at any time. But generally, when they're going to uh, to a place place to help uh, paint walls or uh, an organization to help put a roof on a, a building or, or anything uh, that we do with service projects. It's, it's just giving them a, a different perspective in life. They also uh, often allows them to, to learn a new skill, perhaps, like painting or even using a, a weed whacker, things like that. <laughs> um, and and so that's appealing, I've found, uh, for students, too. And um, we also, again, just uh, try to help them see uh, with open eyes um, the needs in their community. And, and uh, again, I think service projects do that in a tangible way. Give me, share with me a, an example of where you've seen that happen, where you've, you've witnessed a service project be maybe even transformational for youth. Well, I, uh, in, in my article, I, I talked about the, the first uh, mission trip that we took. It was uh, one down to uh, Savannah, Georgia, and it was, so it was, a, it was a servant event week, really, and, uh, and our students, we went down there, and we, uh, again, we, we had uh, paintbrushes, and we had hammers, and we were um, talking, not only doing the actual projects, but engaging with the, the people that we were helping um, uh, again, we, we learned and our students learned that um, it's not just about what, how we're helping people. We're, the, you know, we're, we're so good because we're helping people. No, we found that, uh, in fact, we learned so much from, from the people that we were helping with as they talked to us about their life and their, their journey. And we were oftentimes able to talk about Jesus and his love for us. And, and after that, that week, uh, they came back, uh, and it was a the the flight back when they started talking about hey we that was so much fun 
and, and such a, uh, made such an impact in our lives, we can do this in our own community and make a difference where we're at. We don't have to fly down to Savannah or anywhere else. And, and so we saw a group of students really motivated and then planned the, the following year uh, to, to do a whole week of service in their own hometown. And I found that, again, to be transform, transformational for them and uh, really helped them uh, put their faith into action. How do these service projects uh, teach youth and, and kind of open their eyes to to the rest of the church outside of their own uh, little, little church bubble uh, little in their world, yeah, yeah. In, in their own community? How do how do they kind of expand their horizons of what is possible in, in the church at large? Well, I think uh, again, one thing that I, I referred to in the article was that uh, a locally they get to see. Um, a lot of them, they aren't serving in a bubble. They're, they're serving with adults, youth leaders, um, a lot of lay members who are going uh, on these trips with them, and also those who are supporting them through prayer, uh, supporting them through f- financial uh, means. We have to fund these trips. And so uh, they got to see the church uh, come alongside them, walk with them, not just talk uh, the talk about you know loving others, but actually participating with them alongside with them and um, and actively uh, helping them help other people and and I think that was that's a, a huge uh, makes a huge p- impact in their lives as they see adults aren't just you know they're just not sitting in the pews they're working and and living out what what Christ has called us to live out as well I'm not sure if that answers your question and how important are those those relationships across generations. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> thank you for asking that. That's one thing I, I didn't necessarily get to a, a lot in my article, but it, it is, you know, f- five adults is that that key number that that a lot of research goes back to. Five adults in the lives of of students who who are you know not perfect, right? <laughs> Sinners saved by grace. Um, but walking alongside students and um, living life with them and uh, showing them, again, putting Jesus' love in action. And when students see that, uh, it does make an impact and, and often, um, you know, uh, it, an eternal impact as they uh, claim their faith as their own, too, as they see faith lived out in, in other adults. And what does that mean then in, you know, in their congregational life, having that relationship with um, with with mentors or those intergenerational relationships, it, it makes it makes the church stronger, right? It makes the church stronger. That's uh, the the beauty of the church is the intergenerational nature of it. And sometimes, uh, to to our own mistake, we we uh, the the catchphrase right silos where we 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 stick youth in a corner and we we have senior adult Bible study and we we have our children's ministry and we don't bring people together and. Um, uh, the, that there's a danger in that because there's there's so much um, that God accomplishes when all generations get together. And so when when uh, students are walking alongside uh, older adults, I, we had a there's a mission trip to to Haiti I took a couple years ago, and and there were some wonderful women uh, who were in their 60s serving alongside some college students and, and high school students. And again, there's uh, th- that just it says it sends a powerful message. Uh, to both to our, our students, um, that there are adults who care, and to our adults that might have stereotypes about uh, teenagers and that they do want to care and, and live out their faith as well. 
Joshua Kittleman, Assistant Professor of Family Life at Concordia University, Ann Arbor, author of Serving Together in the March issue of The Lutheran Witness. Thank you so much for being our guest today on The Coffee Hour. It's a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Coming up in just a little bit, we'll share that story with you. We get to talk with President Patty Ross, President mm-hmm. of Lutheran Women in Mission. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. You're listening to The Coffee Hour.